Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick It's Boomers. My guest today is Delaney Parker. Delaney was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2008 and she has channeled her experiences as a woman and mother while living with MS in her debut novel, Grace. Growing up in Long Island, Delaney's passion has been writing, creating characters, and letting their story unfold. She brilliantly infuses humor, pain, and passion to connect the reader to the rawness of being who we are. While managing her unpredictable and varying symptoms of MS and writing, she is raising her own two children in Troy, New York. Welcome, Delaney. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm great, and I'm so happy to have you. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. So you were diagnosed in 2008, but your debut novel was just published in 2021. So what were you doing during all those interview intervening years before you started to write? Well, when I first got diagnosed, I think I was just trying to not die. Like, I really was so worried because when I first got diagnosed, there wasn't, we didn't even have the proper language yet. And it took me a year to even get diagnosed because nobody wanted, nobody believed me. They all thought I was being like, um, I got called bipolar, that I had postpartum depression, that I was manifesting my symptoms, that I was manifesting my psychological symptoms to the point where my body was reacting. And I just did not agree. I did not agree. And I went through it for a year until the point I said, listen to me, um, I have insurance. I don't know why you're so bothered with it. I said, can you please just get me the MRI? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Just do it. I lit up like a Christmas tree. Within 24 hours, the guy had me back in his office and he's like, that's, uh, yeah, you got a little something. So when I first got diagnosed, one was the holy cow. I had a baby. I had a little tiny baby. Oh, and I'm out. This. I'm like, are you that? And that's how I found out. I got up one day to get my son out of bed and I had no legs. They just went, oof. Right. And I, I just hit my face on the carpet and I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like literally pulling myself on the mattress because the kid's still screaming because he still wants mama. Whether I come in on my hook or my crook, you got to get that kid out. Yep. So that's basically when I first got diagnosed, it was one, losing weight so I could be healthier. It wasn't about, it was about my body and inflammation. And I made sure to follow that. When I became, when I got diagnosed, I hit the ground running and I changed my diet, changed my social circle. I changed everything because I needed to. And I dropped like 60 pounds, which did not make me any friends, by the way. Wow. Is you're going to get, you know, a sickness. Could you please just look sick? And that's, you know, they're like, how do you lose 60 pounds? I'm like, because I have no choice. My poor skeleton couldn't handle that on it. I couldn't handle it. No. So I spent a long time, I would say, I yeah, I spent until I would say almost 2019 just making it i mean i did little writings here and there but it never occurred to me to write about a character this way other than the fact that i i'm a voracious reader i was clearing like a thousand pages a week because when you can't bring the house you need to go on an adventure so the the adventure was in the pages for me all right. the time and i realized that there was no one like me being a main character. They're always like the weird sick aunt or the weird parent or some other side character. But I I still had some life left in me. Yeah, I'm clumsy. Yeah, Absolutely. I was alert. Like if I smile, you'll see it. <laughs> but I wasn't done. I mean, right. my God, I was only in my 30s. I was like, I still got some good years left on the stuff here. I mean, even if I'm clumsy, if I sit real still. Maybe I'll be cute. Like, I didn't, you know, I just wasn't ready. I was like, first of all, one, you never were going to be ready, right. by the way. No matter when you get that or how much you think the answer is going to be what it is, right. still not ready. Right. And it took me a really long time. And then when I got stronger within me and I realized I still want my life, I still want to live, I still want to do stuff. So, yeah. And life was doing that for me. Whether or not you have MS, we're going to let you know. If you've got kids, 
They do not care. Nope. My children have only known me with MS. They've never known me without it. Right. So as far as they're concerned, it's not that they're not sympathetic, but to them, that's normal. Me falling, me slurring, me having to go for injections, me having to, it wasn't, you know? And yeah, I did have that. I still had kids who wanted me to be funny. I had a daughter who wanted me to pick her up. I had friends. I have a house I still need to clean because unfortunately for me, I do not have an au pair or a maid. So <laughs> someone had to do it. So even when I was blind and had an eye patch on or when I couldn't walk, I sound like a stubborn old mule, but I would clean my house on my hands and my knees. I would took care of my kids on my hands and knees because one of the medications they put me on was so bad. Mm -hmm. I could, I was uh, four weeks of it. And all I did was crawl. I crawled to take care of a six month old baby. Oh my goodness. And, and my doctor was like, why didn't you say anything to me? I'm like, well, what were you going to do about it? <laughs> like, what are they going to do about it? Like, I get what you're going to do, but you got your medicine and you got your stuff. But the fact is, this is still happening to me. Right. Whether I like it or not, it's happening to me. So how am I going to handle it? And I wasn't going to let it just, you can, I'm pretty sure you can tell by now, I don't just let it lie. Right. Good for you. Yeah. No, I have kids. I wanted to still be, I mean, I didn't have them for nothing. I wanted to be the mom. I wanted to go to the school and I wanted to be on the field trips. I wanted it. I wanted it so bad. Right. And I'm not saying like, oh, I just let go. Because there were days I absolutely couldn't. There's pictures of me with an eye patch on, my face is crooked, and I was a mess. Many days I could not, but the days that I could, I right. did. You did. I did the best I could because guess what? Sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. Hours in between, I just had to do my best. And that's the one thing I just want my, kid, my kids to know was even if I wasn't great, they knew I was always trying. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like, forget it. I don't care. It's, you know, let someone else handle it. Because I had a lot of people like, oh, I'll help you. I'll help you. And I was like, you can't. I said, because I've got to figure out how to navigate my life with this going on. In extreme circumstances, absolutely, you do need help. But on the daily, I had to work that out for me because we're just yeah. a regular person. There's no extra money. There's no support system. There was just life. Life is happening. So I have to get on board. And that's great. I think that's so important for people to hear. When I was diagnosed with cancer at age 66, I pretty much did the same thing changed my diet, changed. I started exercising more. I said, yep. you have to now. There's no more putting it off. You have to start exercising. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like that I can't eat cake every minute of the day. I, I What? I'm, I'm offended. Like, this is insane. But yeah, that it's, you have to. I, I had to. It was either that, you want to eat what you want and live less. Yep. Or you want to curb it and live better. And I just, I, I have, again, it's for everything I do, is for my kids because I, I brought them here. I I want I willingly brought people into this earth and said, I will take care of you. Right. So I will do that to the best of my ability, whatever it is. Good for you. I love that. Thank you. So in the in your novel Grace, it's an erotic new novel. So we meet Margaret Hall, despite her being near 40 and having been diagnosed with the chronic illness MS, Margaret wants to have another baby. Her husband, Nate, on the other hand, is happy enough with their five-year-old son. And so the story begins. What made you decide to write this novel with such explicit sex scenes? Because there are some. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But I will tell you, um, the sex scenes are about 27 pages out of 315. Right. And I promise you, that kind of talk isn't throughout the book, but sex is explicit. When sex is happening between two people, we're not worried about our manners. We're not worrying about our grammar. We're not... These are people and they're in it. And this woman wasn't like trying to hide from her illness. Like, oh, you know, let me just find some goodness in my life. She's a wife and a mom and a friend. And guess what? I understand you don't feel good, but if that's how it is. Yep. She wasn't, I, I'm not gone. I'm more than my prescriptions. I'm more than just the bottles. I'm more than the doctor's appointments. There's still all these other pieces of me that are still here. So yep. can we not focus on the broken part? Because I got a lot of other parts. Right. And, for me, the multiple sclerosis is the least interesting thing about me. So it really, I refuse to let it be the reason. And I wanted to write a book because that's, even if it's not multiple sclerosis, we all have our obstacles. We all have our stuff, but you got to get on with it. Like I said, you, it's happening. This is happening. And all I know is if I'm going to wake up, I want to give myself the best shot possible each day. Right. And that, and when, I, when you're in a sex scene, if you're, listen, when you're broken, you don't feel good, that sucks. But when you do feel good, 
that feels great. And there should be nothing wrong with, yes, I'm a disabled person, but I still like sex. I still like to get on, you know, people still like to have some. And these are wrong people who are married or maybe not. <laughs> but there's nothing going on in there that nobody can read and nobody understands. These are, this is an adult novel for a reason. It's for grownups. Right. And right. again, it's only the sex scenes that have such explicit language. Other than that, it's regular banter, regular life, like, you know, best friends, husband and wife, things like that. But right. the sex scenes are explicit because sex actually is pretty freaking explicit. You're naked. Every crevice and hole you have is all out to bear. Yep. Yep. Just let it fly, baby. Life is a mess. Just get it on you. Yep. Get it. That's and I think river. this gives people with MS um, something else to think about and look at. They can see themselves in a different light because yeah. you wrote this book about this woman with MS who's still having sex, still enjoying life, and they can think, well, gee, I can too. Look at that. It gives them and permission. You never try anything until you have like sex with, a, with an eye patch on. <laughs> and it, there you go. If you want to go pirate, who knows what your fetishes are? But when you have to get comfortable knowing that you might have to do that with an eye patch on, right? You stop worrying about the words you're using. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I love it. I mean, seriously, nobody has an organ going, I heard everybody's hit. But again, when you're stuck in an eye patch, you might have to. I'm just hit. Right. Right. Exactly. Oh my God. So, how big a part does the MS play when you're trying to write? Because I'm assuming you can't have a regular schedule like a normal no. author would. You got to just jump in when you can. Yes, um, I am luck. I'm luckily doing better than I have been, which is good. I'm in a sweet spot right now. But there were days that I could not type. There were days I could not even speak correctly because look, even this you'll see it. It's uh, I drag on the one side, but on those days, all I would do is just try to replay, like say two sentences. I would replay it, replay it, replay it. So I at least wouldn't lose the nugget of it. Right. And for me, I would. if someone said, you're going to need to write a whole book, there's no way. <laughs> no way. I just knew that I was frustrated because I lost my job. I was disabled now. And so they're telling me I can't work. And I'm like, all right, but I'm not done. Right. I'm not done. So I did what I could when I could. And if I couldn't type, oh, thank you, technology. They have voice to text. And I would, I mean, it looked like a garbled mess a lot of the time. But if I could say it enough to get the nuts and bolts of it down, when I was better, I would be able to fiddle with it. Right. So that's what I would have to do all the time. Because if I couldn't write, I would have to try to talk it out. And if I couldn't talk it out, it was, you've got to keep this somewhere. That, and I would be like, hey, remind me that I said this, and I'm not saying that's fair to people, but hey, you're going to hang out with me. I'm going to ask you to remember crap. That's not your job. Too like, bad. That's how it goes. Like, like, oh my God. To do it. So the, it took me a bit. I mean, I wrote that with uh, play dates going on in the way room, my doctor's appointments, during my infusions. Whenever I was able, I sat and I wrote. I had my phone. It's hooked to my computer. So if I couldn't even carry that computer, I had my phone. Right. And it just meant a lot to me because I I know that if I'm not done, I'm not the only one. I'm not right. done. That's it. I know I'm not the only one and let's let's finish. And that's what a lot of boomers are saying too. I'm not done yet. Like not I'm done. 73 and I started this podcast at 70 because I've been doing real estate for years, but I'll be retiring by the end of this year because I'm moving to Florida, but then I'm going to do my podcast. So three years ago, I was thinking, okay, what do I want to transition to? Because I knew at some point real estate was going to end for me anyway. And I was listening to podcasts during my cancer. I'd be out walking, listening to podcasts. And after a while, I said, I can do this. I, this is not hard. I can do this. So I, then I, I just had to find my niche. What am I going to talk about? And I know about boomers, just like you know about MS. I know about boomers. Exactly. So I decided to about what you know. And that's also the reason why the book is about MS is they will tell you, write what you know. You don't want to talk about somebody or someplace or something that you know nothing about. A novel is a novel, but yes. there are people out there who are checking your facts. And if you don't have the right facts, they are going to let you know. Even if it's a novel, I had to do a ton of research on um, a certain kind of bird. I had to do research on out 
every little thing you have to do the research because the wow. facts still need to be correct your math still needs to be right when i have someone pregnant in the book do you know that i had a whole pregnancy calendar i looked like some kind of a little like crazy like stalker serial i had everybody's everything i had like schedules of all these fake people's lives right i mean the calendars rolling out i had everything i it, it, it's a lot it but is I a lot to keep up with it because i couldn't it would have been wow at the time but i had that i know there was more than just me out there and i know there's women out there who are like what's gonna happen if i decide to have a kid after i'm diagnosed right right and you can i it, it wasn't easy but i did it and i would yeah. do it again in a minute do it again in a minute yep although i wanted I, mean, I have a friend who was diagnosed years ago when she was very young she went on to have two kids they were telling her you shouldn't it's dangerous blah 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 but she had the first and then she went and had her second and she's doing okay i mean not wonderful but okay yeah, no never it's not wonderful but and that was with me they see with me i came a little later in the game and they told me that when a woman gets pregnant a lot of the time they will go into remission because it's an autoimmune disease so when you're pregnant you know how your your um immune system changes yes again it's not a guarantee right but he said there's a shot right. it didn't happen for me <laughs> i wanted a bit of flare up my whole second trimester and i was a mess like the pain was ridiculous it was not fun wow and then the doctor's like well why didn't you do anything i go what were you gonna do well we could have given you medication i'm like i was not ever gonna take medication while i'm pregnant no. and just so you know this is before other things they were absolutely willing to give me a hydrocodone they were gonna let me have hydrocodone until a couple of weeks before i delivered oh wow wow that's nuts i know a friend of mine smoked a little weed and they freaked out and i'm like you guys understand that not that anyone should be doing anything but you literally were gonna let me eat hydrocodones every day with a baby in me yeah so it's 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 interesting what how it goes but i still again i did it i was a big girl and i had my belly and i was like i will just do it and you just do the second trimester was horrible but the first trimester was pukey and this last trimester was super big and uncomfortable so i'm glad i made it sound it like is. a fun time <laughs> but it's like a fun time but it's absolutely worth it it really is like and yes. again i was not gonna let and i didn't do it because they said oh you'll probably go into remission i was going to do this anyway right and whoever doesn't want to get on board that's okay but this is happening so yeah. do what you want with it pal and i remember my doctor getting he wanted me to get an mri done and i was like no i'm breastfeeding and he's like well you could always stop breastfeeding for a day. I'm like, ooh, yeah, not going to do that. No, okay. how are you going to do that? The baby needs to be fed every day. I was like, once like, you give them you the bottle, you can't always go back. I'm like, you're right. I can pump and dump, but she's not old enough yet. So no, yeah. I made them wait till she was a few like older so she could handle it. And that day after I did the pump, I had to save up milk. And then that day I had all my friends with me. So they would take turns holding her until I could take her back. Because again, when you're breastfeed, I'm basically steak. I'm walking around and I'm her steak. And she's like, you're not going to let me have any steak. I'm just going to starve to death. Thanks. <laughs> well, that's how a baby sees it. And I I wasn't ready. I waited, I think, till she was almost six months because I just couldn't do it. Right. Couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. No. Wow. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. That's great. And it was for me because my body had done all this, and because I was sick, there had to be something that I was able to control. Right. And I would not let anyone take this experience from me because I could do it. If I was not doing well, or if there was a problem, absolutely. I'm I'm to a point in my life where it's not about pride. I would let someone handle it. Right. But I knew I could do it. And right. I wasn't going to have everyone be like, mm, but can you? Yes, right. I can. And watch me do it. Watch me do it. Because I will. And I did. Because that's the way it goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think when you fight to do whatever you can do, it helps you get through the disease. It helps yeah. you. And you can't, if you give up, like, it would be great to give up for about five seconds. And then right. after that, you'd be like, uh... No. So there's nothing now. I'm done. I'm really just just giving up. I'm all set. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I mean, they're probably. Gonna, I mean, as it is, the Reaper's gonna have to drag me off the earth as it is because I'll be clean. I don't want to go. Like it, I'm going to be clinging. So right. rage against the dying of the light, regardless. Right. 
And people that are listening to the audio today that don't see you, when I look at you, you don't look sick. And that is the problem because people don't think you have MS by looking at you. No, they so, thought I was lying. They absolutely did. They thought I was lying. Yep. So for attention, like if I was going to do something to get attention, I'm pretty flexible and pretty, uh, I have enough personalities. I would have reached into one of those in the bag and I would have pulled that out. I don't think I would have pulled out an MS. And no. even when I did get diagnosed, I had people like, don't use it as an excuse. I was like, I don't need to. I got this. That's that, terrible. Oh, you had no. My one of my friends gave me a book about a woman. It was a novel because I said I need a book to read, and she gave me this novel. Where, I can't remember the name of the book, but the book was about a woman who the kid thought her mother had MS, and then you find out she's a little bit crazy, and she was just saying that to people. I'm like, why would you give me this book? Right. It was a very backhanded slap. Like when I was first diagnosed, people were mean to me. Because they thought I was being dramatic, and they're like, oh, she's probably going to want all this attention because she's sick. No. I mean, I'll take attention because I'm funny. I'll take attention because I'm a goon, but I don't need attention. Nobody, I don't, I don't know about anybody else, but for me, that's not the kind of, I don't want to people to know that I can't. Right. No, that's not, I don't, no, that wasn't for me. But yeah, it was really hard. I had people who didn't even believe I had any kind of sickness. Even before I was diagnosed, they thought my these were people in my life, my parents, friends and family who were like, oh, maybe you're just having a little stress. You're a little stressed out. You're having panic attacks. No, they're not panic attacks. I actually have something wrong with my heart, which we just found out a few years ago. So I'm like, all these years that you thought I was being dramatic and having panic attacks, my heart was literally galloping out of my chest for real. I wasn't picking it up. Although I will say, I always did wonder, and I still do, what about me makes people hear me talk and say that I'm sick and have them not believe me? Like, why Why in general would you say that to a person? Right. Well, you've kind of who your real friends are. When well, how can I make it up? Like, do you think, first of all, if I made it up, right. how much money do you think I have to go see a neurologist without any insurance? And what kind of neurologist is going to give me that MRI if I don't need it? Right. Yeah, that's not going to happen. No. Like you're telling me that I have no money, but with no money I have, I'm going to use it to create this falsehood. Right. I would use it to go get some cute pants or a lipstick. I'm not going <laughs> to. What? what? Like I Did just didn't want to lose sense? your job. No, you didn't want to lose your job. No. You like I was like because no. of MS. Yeah, I hated that. And I was like, why would, and the thing about me, I thought was, why would anyone who knows me even think that? Because I don't think I've ever given that impression ever. Right. So to have that happen, I was like, holy cow. Like, these are people who were my friend. They saw me lose weight and got mean about it. Like, they thought that I was like, oh, she's just trying to get attention. What? I'm trying to not die. That's all I'm trying to do is not die. Not die. Yep. That's it. It was the the swank diet for MS. It was one of the first diets that ever came out. I literally found this diet and was like, I'm going to follow this. Good for you. Because. That's I had nothing to go from. Even when I got, I diagnosed myself with WebMD, and that is really what aggravated that guy the most, because I said, "Listen, I looked at WebMD. I've gone over it and over it. I really think I have multiple sclerosis." He's like, "Oh, you went on WebMD, did you?" I'm like, "I understand what you're saying. I do." I was like, "But I didn't just look at it and freak out. I said I looked at it, and then I went and found four articles. And no, not only on the first page of my search, I went in." I was like, all I'm asking you to do is check, man. I said, if it's not, it's not. Right. But it was. And I was and I was like, do you know how hurtful that is to have been that the whole time and have everyone who matters to you? Like strangers, I don't care what strangers think. They think what they want anyway. Right. But to have the people who are supposed to love me, protect me, care for me, and be there for me. Right. Literally think that one, I'm crazy instead. Like, why was it so easy to rather just brush me off as crazy? Right. But a little you think that's helping? That's not helping that you're telling me that I'm nuts. Not at all. That I was making it up. I was like, I'm not well, man. Like I can feel things happening. Like you feel I feel like um you feel almost like wet in spots. Like somebody put icy hot so I'm pat like icy hot on patches of my body. Mm-hmm. My legs weren't working. Then they tried telling me my legs weren't working because I was obese. I was 175 pounds. Not yeah. like there's well, lots I, of obese women and their legs work perfectly. I have, I have relatives and friends who are three and four bills. They yeah. still run. Girls still do yoga. So I was like, what are you talking about? Right. Makes no sense. 
it didn't make any sense. And um, it was, I admit, I'm not that, not petty. I am petty enough that when it happened, I made him repeat it. I was like, can you say that again? Great. Yeah, and then I, over. I was like, how'd that, how'd that go? How do you feel now? Because you thought I was making it up, but now we have an MRI. Right. So like, that I must not be lying. What? What? Like, it just, it seems so cruel to me. It's hard enough to even go through this. Why is your response that I must be full of full of it lying or being whatever it well really one of the main reasons is because you're a woman because they are constantly misdiagnosed women are just totally not diagnosed properly and we have to beg like you did for tests we have to I don't beg know why I have insurance I was like just could you do this just do it and put it this way, me, even if I was a hypochondriac, no matter how much of a hypochondriac a person is, you can't make a test come up positive if it's not good. Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't, I can't manifest multiple sclerosis to that level. I mean, first of all, if I could do that, right. you don't think I would have made myself thinner? <laughs> like, if I could psychologically, like, if I was right. so mentally strong that I could cause mass hypnosis, obviously, I just think I would have used it better, like, maybe get stuff. Right. Do things. I don't know. Be taller, smaller waist. I don't know. Hair that grows super long. Like, I don't, I just didn't understand what, if I was that person or if I was doing it, what makes you think I would use that for this purpose? If I could make no things sense. happen, that wouldn't be it. Yeah. No, <laughs> it makes, it makes no sense, but it doesn't have to because women dealing with the medical profession, we go through this constantly. Constantly. Yeah. So not just MS, it's a lot of other things that it takes them years to diagnose. Meanwhile, the woman is suffering and people are looking at her thinking she looks fine. I don't see anything wrong, but inside she's in pain. Her body aches. Oh, yeah. People with fibromyalgia, they are just in such pain, but they look healthy. So no one wants I'm to listen. Right now, my foot is my one foot. I got no feet. I have, it's called Lemire syndrome. Like when you when you look forward you'll feel like this electrical thing down your spine all the way to your foot i have that all this stuff is actively happening while we're talking and everyone's like well if you're in that much pain well when you've been doing it for 15 years your body just kind of gets used to the fact it just does it's not a pity it's human condition if our bodies couldn't get used to what we were doing to it none of us would make it that's what your body does for you it it helps you to do what you need to do Right. Same reason why you get a callus. If you're always walking on a certain part of your body, you get a callus because your body's like, you need a little push between that and this. It, yeah. It's just, it's what you got to do. And I don't under, it's hard. It just seems a little bit, mm. it was tough. And that's what I spent most of my first years doing was, it's sad to say, but convincing people of the legitimacy and the the actual bigness of my disease because i didn't look sick right everyone was like, she's fine i was like literally on fire some days felt so much pain and oh that and like oh you're tired i'm tired too and you're like no this is oh, that's a terrible thing to say it's not just tired it's fatigue and no matter how much i sleep it will never go away yep my legs will always feel like I'm carrying cinder blocks. I will always feel heavy in the limbs. I will always be a little bit tired. And no matter what, if you let this little beast lay down, I'm out. In two minutes, it's sleeping. <laughs> I got to follow the dopamine all day. Because once I take a little squat, it's like, and that's it. You see me seven hours later, I wake up like, what? What, what day is it? What happened? What? Yeah, I have. And there's nothing, I call them psychedelic seek outs because it happens. Oh my God. Oh, you just wake up and you realize you're like, I was just sleeping for how long? Like, and in the middle, you fell asleep until you're waking up. You're like, oh, oh, okay. That happens. Right. And kids are still waiting for dinner. Yeah, that's right. Gotta make that's dinner it. no matter what. Yeah. Like, oh, I heard, I was leaning up against the stove last night making food because my kids still want to eat. My back was a mess. I'm like, this is awesome. So I toddled down there and just leaned on the counter. You need they a husband like mine. He cooks all my meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't cook anything and I don't food shop. Yeah. All right. See, I don't mind the food shopping because I do that all on the phone. They deliver. Right. Right. That's good. That's good. I get to the store because you go in there, we'll be coming home with an extra dog. I don't right. know how they do. But every time I go in there, it's like, can I have... Yeah, you don't need... <laughs> any of this right 
Right. I, I know they do a toss on purpose. The candy aisle, all that. They're just like kid eye height, just so they're like. I know. Yep. No, 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 no. So I just shop at home. Good it's for a you. Lot of saves me money and saves me fights between the kids over who's getting what chips. Yep. There you go. Because that's I mean, a legit for some argument. people, it is such a blessing to be able to shop on their phone and have it delivered. And that's gotten easier ever since yeah. COVID, which is great. I love it. I love it. I will say it did because before that, if I didn't feel good, guess what? We didn't eat because I didn't feel good enough to get up, go in the car. I have to navigate a vehicle it's to some. Like, right. It's exhausting shopping. Like, you know, I couldn't even look left for a long time. How can I drive my car if I can't look this way to see if traffic right. is coming? Right. Can't. I can't. And they were, I'd have to like literally be shopping at like, I don't know where, if you have like a Stewart's or 7 Eleven, whatever those little markets are, right. anywhere that was close enough that I could walk to and right. safely, that I would do. Cause I'm not going to, I had a Tahoe. I'm not going to get in the back of that and get in that thing and start driving around. No, no. Not when you're glitchy. Tahoe's not the one. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not worth it. Oh my God. So, so, yes. Was your intention when you wrote the book to bring more attention to MS? Like we're all women, even though we have MS, we have all the normal wants and needs of a woman. Yeah. Did you go into the book with that intention? I did because I was reading books and one, any adult novel book did a lot of, I don't know what the better word, flowery speech instead of right frank language for what it is. Right. And they would always put the disabled person on the side. Yes. As if they were just this, th and I'm like, no, I don't want to. I'm not on the side. Versus guess what, people? I'm the hub. Like you're not this gimpy, clumsy lady. I, I'm the one who's going to be your Wizard of Oz today, and I got to make the magic happen. I might be the one you want to talk to about that. Right, right. So that's what I was like. Uh, uh, no, because even though I know this, I know there's women out there. We've all got something. Yep. But then I, I'm still in it. I'm still in it, and I was like, someone needs to write a book about a woman who's not done yeah and i don't want anyone to be like oh that's because her ms isn't or to have someone else go you know what maybe ms isn't that bad because she has and she looks fine i can guarantee you i am not fine i can show you pictures that i'll show you i'm not fine but here's the thing when you're not fine i'm probably not going to be on camera when yeah. i'm not fine i'm not you won't see me that's usually how you'll know when i'm not doing my best because you're like i haven't seen her online in a few days yep she's probably not feeling good probably not there you go. Yeah. Like that's, a, that's, I was like, well, I used to, I, I see you always look fine. Yeah. Well, when I'm not fine, I'm not running around. Going, look at me. I'm a mess. But, right. Because they make fun of me for that too. Right. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's hard. But yeah, I went in it with the intention of saying, hey, and even if you don't have a chronic illness, I'm, I was in my forties. i every friend I have, we have something falling yes. off. Or out, or is at least making a little jingly sound where we walk. There's something happening, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We have to do it. We all right. still have to do it. Whether your knee's bad, your back's bad, whatever happened to you. Again, a lot of my friends, they have, and congratulations to you, you are tough, who've gone through cancer treatment and and have gone through that. Yep. And there's no over it or around it. You've got to go straight through. Yep. You're going to get all of that life on you. Yep. Are you done? No. Was there other parts of you? Yep. You're yep. still funny. You're still awesome. You still yep. want to live your life. And that's what I wanted people to see is I might have, a, it's not really a disability. Like, and I don't want to be like, I'm different ables, but I have some stuff, but I still got a parent. Everyone out there has got some kind of something. Absolutely. So and really when, I was doing, when I was doing my real estate, I was having chemotherapy and I didn't tell any of my clients because I knew the minute something, they wouldn't want to call me with questions. They would feel, oh, poor Terry. They didn't know. I put a wig on my head because I lost my hair and out I went and I would be sitting having chemo and they would be texting me questions and I would just answer them. I was fine to answer it. Yeah, right. I was not going to let it affect my business. It, it is. It was what I got through it, and I'm on the other side. I've been, um, I've been um, in in uh, what's it called Re remission for over five years now. So oh, it's good. Nice. Life is good. You can't let nice. no matter what it is, like you said, whether it's MS or cancer or fibromyalgia or whatever it is, you can't let it affect you. No, and that was it. Like I wanted a character that was realistic. Yes. I wanted a wife and a mother and a friend who's realistic. Yes. I didn't want to do her books out there where there's a girl in her 20s who happens to be a gajillionaire her first time out. Listen. Right, right. 
if that in real life happens to me, that I meet anyone who would like me to sign an NDA, we're not going to hang out again. Only because my mama taught me better than that. That's not the smartest move. I was not about to write another book about some... <laughs> no, we're not doing that. We're not some soft, flowery girl that's like, I just need somebody to take care of me and, and to make me feel value. She's like, oh, I have value. You want to see it? Yeah. <laughs> those skills were for her husband. Those skills were those skills were for her. Because she yes. was good at it. It wasn't to escape it. And she's like, too bad. Yeah, I got an ass, but I still got, you know, I got a rack. I got my friends. I got a life. I got to live. Yeah. Got to live. And that's yeah. the thing. It, you just, you don't want to let something that's taking things from you as it is. You don't get everything. I'm not going to let you have everything. You don't get it all. If you want it all, you're going to have to work for it like I did. Yep. I wasn't giving it everything. And every one of us, like I said, I just wanted a realistic person. Yes. I so think it's really going to be helpful for people with any kind of a disability to be able to read your book and see how she's the main character. It's great because then they can put themselves in her place and, you know, go on and live better because some of them are afraid to live. They're afraid to keep going on. So I think they're also afraid of saying, well, I, I, that's not for me anymore. I have to. Anything you want is for you, sweetheart. Anything right. you want is for you. Yeah, nobody gets to tell you that but you. Don't let anyone else tell you what your value is. Don't let anyone else make those decisions. The longest time I did, and I would believe what people told me about myself, they were absolutely wrong. Yep. Absolutely wrong. The only way how I got through writing this book was me saying, have I ever started something? If I ever really wanted to, have I ever given up, not finished? And I'm like, no, no. So why am I so worried? All I got, all I did was, I'm, I didn't think of a whole book. I said, I'm going to write this scene. That's all. I had the scene in my head. I'm going to just write this scene. And then that scene was done. I was like, all right, well, where would they go next? It was all about what happens next. And then one day I realized, I'm like, holy cow, I got a hundred and something pages here. Wow. She's got legs. I'm like, this thing's walking around. And then the characters start to take on the route. Like, I will let you know the decisions Margaret makes in that book. I would be making those decisions. <laughs> no. She's a far nicer person than me. No. <laughs> Far nicer. Everyone's like, oh, is this book about you? No, it is not. I can guarantee you it ain't because people are, uh, do I see people still alive? Then that's not true because if I, if no, no. Right, right. Or hair, teeth, and eyeballs all over the landscape. I'm not that sweet. Right. Mark, it is. Parts of you in there. I think their strength comes through, right? Well, yeah. And that was the thing. Like when you write, well, not you, everyone, I'll speak for myself. Right. There are bits of a lot of people in each of the characters. There's no yes. one person that's modeled after a character, except right. for my mom. She's hilarious, and I gave her her due. <laughs> and yeah, Catherine in the book, that's my mom. And the oh, person reading, that's who she is. Make uh -huh. no mistake. That's exactly who she is. I and she's famous. And I love her. Yeah. Um, but you, I took bits and pieces, because again, you write what you know. You got to take some... And you make them like so you get a little amalgam. You make them up of the little pieces to make up a new person. And then after a while, truly, they make it's. I'm going to sound like a schizophrenic. I know this. They literally make their own decisions. They do. I'm basically like a court stenographer towards the end, where I'm like, oh, <laughs> even I'm shocked. I'm like, she did what? I would call my mom. Like, you will not believe what I had to write down today. Cannot, can't believe it. She's like, no, my God, how? Like, oh my God. like we're gossiping about some girl that I'm all like, you know, and it's like, like <laughs> I'm right here. And even I'm like, can you give this woman? My mom's like, uh, why don't you believe her? You're writing it. I'm like, you're right. But she's coming alive in your imagination. And that's great. Yeah. And that's exactly it. My mom, as she was reading it, she's like, I get it now. My mom sat down and read that book in one shot. Sat down with a coffee. Did she? Wow. She Ex this, this, the explicit scenes. I said, Mom, I don't want you to not be able to ever look at your daughter again. I said, so I'm going to let you know there's some stuff in there. Right. You're warned. I was like, right. do not read it or we will not be able to look at each other ever again. So at the end, I go, did you read it? She's like, and she would call me Petey because her nickname for me is Petey. She's like, I would always be able to tell. And then I would just, huh? And then I could read again. She goes, because I, ah, my mom teaches religion at the Catholic church where I grew up. She's, that's, no. Right. She's like, every other part of this book is amazing. Some of her friends have read it and they're like, oh, my. 
but they love it. They love it. I was so going to say they love those scenes. They love they it. First, I was like, "Oh my god, you wrote a book like what?" Then I'm like, "Just read it, and if you don't like it, right, to tell me." And then like, "Oh my god, I'm like what?" They're like, "I like it." They're almost mad. They're like, oh, "I really liked it." I'm like, "It's okay for you to like it." They're like, "Oh, it's so funny, so funny," and they are saucy. These women and they're vengeful. See. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I was getting, my mom would call me like, the girls do not like that part at all. They don't think that's fair. I'm like, well, that's too bad. Like, they were literally emotional. <laughs> like, like they were like, I, I don't agree with that. Well, well, I don't agree with it either, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> right, right. So now my next question for you is, is there going to be a sequel? There already is. Um, it just, I finished, I got my the end before the summer because the kids were going to be home and crazy. And now I'm just going through because it's already done. I'm doing a little rewrite, checking it through, and then it's off to the editor. The sequel is already written. Do you have uh, a title? Can you share Mercy. that? Mercy. Mercy. Ah, wonderful. Wow. It, Margaret does. She's, and that's where the title Grace comes from. The word Grace is not the name Grace on the cover. The reason why it has a lowercase g right. is that's what Margaret had to show is Grace. She yes. had to, she took on a lot. And then she had to decide what she was going to do going forward and what kind of woman she wanted to be with all this information in her hand. Because again, yes, she's sick, but everybody else is still who they are, right? (laughs) And she's got to deal with everybody else as they come. And here she is. She's getting this whole big thing thrown in her lap. And she's like, how am I going to handle it? She has to handle it in a way that she knows she can live with. And that is, she's got grace. She's And she shows mercy. Margaret, she's again, she's stellar. I, I... See, I, now I started I the book, but I didn't finish yet. Now I need to finish it because now oh, you're you know, need to finish it. Yeah, all these little things that you dropped. It's, it just makes me want to pick it up and read it the rest of the day. So oh, yeah, don't be shy. I loved it when my editor called me when the thing happened in the book and he was like, What? I I, I, just, I didn't see that coming. I'm like, well, you're not supposed to. Oh my God, I love yeah, it. Like, I can't even believe this. I'm like, I know. I didn't know the thing was going to happen until I was in the mall writing it. I'm like, oh, it's going to go wrong. <laughs> I knew. I knew. I was like, oh, it's it's hot. It's getting hot up in here. Like, it was, uh, it was uh, something to write because I'm literally, as I'm writing, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. You're going, oh, oh my God, and you're the writer. Okay, all right. Oh, oh, okay. Like it just, it, it's like the pieces just line up and you have no, you can bend it and make it go another way. But when you read it, you'll know you did. You'll yeah. look at it and be like, mm. yeah. It's like going over sand and piece of wood and you feel a splinter. You're like, it's not smooth right there. And there's something weird right here. What is that? So you have to write it the way it, it comes to you. Or it's just not going to, it's going to sound very contrived, very weird. I agree. I agree. It didn't work. Yeah. And it just wouldn't work. I put it this way. I didn't plan on the book ending like that at all. Even starting like that. I wrote a whole book first and I had a friend of mine from school who does all this. He did all this writing stuff and he's great. He has his own podcast as well. And he said, no, (laughs) not good enough. And I was like, really? He's like, no, it's not. You can do better than this. And my mom saw me take that call and she was like, okay. And you know, I'm like, all right, hang up the phone, grab my laptop. I open it. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I got to rewrite it. She's like, you didn't just fall apart on that guy. She goes, you just spent six months writing that book and that guy just ripped it apart. I'm like, well, I'd rather than rip it apart before I print it. <laughs> so Absolutely. I, I wrote it again. And then I was like, how about now? That's the one. There you go. So I was like, okay. So yeah, this wasn't even, I wrote a whole other book before I wrote this one. And they were like, no. It didn't work. I wasn't no. Even, they said, you weren't, you don't have a real bad guy. In my first book, that wasn't a bad enough guy. And what happened wasn't enough. They're like, you got to make things go on. Right. And because of my life of living so cautious because of what I'm going through, that I was literally writing cautious. And I realized that. I'm like, oh. Mm-mm. Let's just throw the caution. We're going to just throw it. Because, of course, you're worried, well, what are other people going to think? What are the people I know going to think when they read this? And you'll find out that they all think that it's me. And they think that I'm like, no. Right, right. (laughs) And, you know, and the thing is, people are going to think what they want to think anyway. You've got to be authentic to yourself because you're... I've had to read this book 6,000 times at least. 
Right. So I would have to like it. And the right. book had to be what I was going to like, because I'm the one who's, I have to go back over this. I have to live this. My name is on it. Yeah. Somebody else can read it and be like, I don't really like it and throw it away. I can right. never throw that away. It'll still right. find me. <laughs> so there wasn't much choice for me as far as that goes. You, I had to get it done. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So tell my audience where they can buy your book. Absolutely. When the next one's coming out, if you have any idea. All right. I'm working on the, the coming out of the second one. The first one, you can go on Amazon mm-hmm. and Amazon.com. You can find Grace Delaney Parker. She's right on there. And you can even get the ebook instead. For $5, you can download it. For 15 you can buy the paperback. I'm also going to be at a book fair in Saratoga. So you can come there if you want. I'll be giving away about- where? Florida or New York? Saratoga, New York. Sorry. New York. Saratoga, okay. New York. At the book festival, October 14th. Okay. I will be there signing books and probably wearing something that makes me not breathe <laughs> all day <laughs> but yeah that's where you can get it now the sequel which again is just finished i'm just doing the last little bits then it's going to go off to the editor i'm hoping that we can have this bad boy done by the beginning of the new year if not sooner but a lot of that doesn't depend on me now because right. i've once i write it i hand it off to everybody else they've all got to do their part right right which means i have to be patient not you know, patience is hard i know it's like a bird waiting for that baby to come and yeah it's very difficult waiting yes especially when like i'm i'm not uh, there's no publishing house there's no one i'm this is it the backbone's behind me yeah. and i'm like i have to keep throwing macaroni till something sticks like i will keep at this because that's what i have to do right. it's what i have to do i don't know any of, i it's what i have to do because I have mentored women who've been diagnosed with chronic illness with things. And I see, and they're like, thank God, because if they read the book. They're like, she's like, you know, I got to tell you, it was nice to see that after the freak out, there can be a life for me. Because again, a lot of us, we're going to, when we first find something out, we're like, whoa. And it rocks your complete sense of self. Yep. And you'll wonder, when will I ever get her back? When will I ever get this person back? Right. And for them, reading that book gave them that. And that, to me, is worth it. I don't care. After that, if some person can read that book and say, you know what? You let me know that I'm not done. There's more to me than this. Yes. We're all gems, faceted. There's not just one side to any person. You'd be surprised at how many people were not even realizing they were siding with the villain in the book because, well, they could relate. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, wow, that's the bad guy? Right. Yeah, it is. We've all been there and it's okay. It's okay to be all of it or none of it or some of it. Right. Life is happening whether you like it or not. Right. You got to decide if you want to be on the board or not. Do you want to play? You know, and that's that's basically it. I just, I'm not done. And I know if I'm not done, I'm not the only one. I think that's a great message. And us boomers are not done either. There, Most of us have something else we want to do. Many of them are writing books, which is great. I just I love to talk, so I'm doing the podcast. But don't give up, no matter how old you are or what you have. Don't let no, anybody stop. else define you. Right? No, you can't because you just if I let everyone define me, I don't. I would one not even be living here. Um, or even odds are even still alive, basically due to apparently I would make very bad decisions. Not ca- if I would listen to what other people said about me and my level of ability. It's nowhere near here. It's right. not even It's not even in the same atmosphere. And the thing is, it's really hard for us because just like you could hear 10 people say, wow, I love your blouse. That red looks really beautiful on you. One person's like, oh, really? Red? And for the rest of the day, you're like this. Oh, my God. Do, do I look all right? Right. Do I look all right? 10 people said you look beautiful. But then right. one person's like, oh, my God. I could. I had to. And it, I'm not impervious. Nobody is. I couldn't let other people decide who I was and when I was done. You're not allowed to make that decision for me. I do. I make that decision. Good. I'm I remember bringing my neurologist the book. I'm like, I told you I would finish this. And he was like, what? Here you go. There you go. Wow. Yep. And I put I put that sexy book right on the bookshelf in the waiting room. I'm like, here you go. (laughs) Book should be in the waiting room. Should be in the waiting room for people to read. Yep. Oh, it is. I have my vacation. Everyone has that. I'm like, everyone get a book. Everyone, everyone, everyone. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Spot that now. You're never finished until, listen, until, until your last breath. breath. You keep on rolling. Right. Keep on 
because you just don't know. You never know. And I, this could be as far as this book goes. I don't know, but I know it's not going to be because I stopped trying. I'm going to still be at it. Still be at it. Even with my Pirate Patch, even with my canes, because I got three canes now, because I'm getting a nice collection, Mm -hmm. because I figure if I have to have them, I want them to match my outfits. (laughs) So, yeah, MS or not, I'm like, I still want one that matches my outfit. I agree. Yep. Yep. So, you can't get rid of me. I'm still me. I'm still the one who's going to obsessively be weird and be like, I can't wear a black cane if I'm wearing brown shoes. I can't carry that. That's insane. What? Like... My mom's like, are you kidding me right now? I'm like, um, no, I'm not. I'm like, are you? I'm going to be clashing. Like, it was so far. She's like, I can't believe that's what you're worried about. I'm like, well, the MS is already doing its job. Nothing I can do about that. But I can do something about whether or not I'm fashionable, for God's sake. Right. That and some insoles. Love insoles. I learned that, too. Those comfy shoes, man, there's something about a comfy shoe. Wow. Wow. Jesus, my little day. (laughs) Right? I'm like, oh, I can walk in these and feel my toes. Wow. Okay. There you go. Yeah. The comfy shoes are nice. I, I will say that is a nice, that's the nice change about it is I can wear comfy shoes and nobody says a word. Yep. Yep. There you go. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Kick-Ass Boomers. I know thank the you. audience is going to love the discussion. They're going to want to run out and buy the book. So I hope they do. Do you have any yeah. other contact information or just where to get the book? I'm on. TikTok under Ms. Parker or D Parker 50. I am also on Instagram. It's lowercase Delaney dot Parker dash. Well, not the hyphen, the low dash. It's the dash writer. Okay. And writer like writer, R-W-R-I-T-E-R. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on threads. I'm on the book of faces. I'm on all of the things, all of the things you can find me. And if not, I'm pretty sure that I owe money to somebody. If you put my name out there loud enough, someone's like, I'll find her for you. I'll get her. No. They'll find me. Don't don't you worry. (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been a lot of fun talking about your novel, your MS journey, all of it together. And it all melds together anyway. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Thank you for us today. Truly. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old. Looking to take your podcast to the next level with video? Are you looking to develop a podcast but don't know where to start? From recording and editing to final distribution and marketing, we can help every step of the way to make your podcast stand out and get the results it deserves. Contact us today at premierpodcastpros.com to take your podcast to the next level.